Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Thank you. Amen. Okay, so... um, The message today is from peace to peacemaker. And I wanted to read um, a passage that I know we all probably have committed to memory. Um, But I want to talk about it in a way that maybe we can uh, think about it a bit differently. So I'm going to be reading from the NIV. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone, if you want to go there to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read about the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, through the end of the chapter. Here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Okay, so I'm going to try to connect this in a minute, but first I want to tell you a story about someone that you've probably never heard of. It's a father and son. And uh, has anyone ever heard of Friedrich von Bodelschwink? I don't see any hands. Okay, so if you're probably like me. Um, so there's this amazing... Can we see a picture of them? No, they're already up there. Okay. Um, so Friedrich von Bodelschwing, junior on the left and senior on the right. I tried, when I was looking for pictures of them, it was like one or the other. It was either the senior didn't look so happy or... And it was like... But you can see, they're a spitting image of each other. Look like really amazing guys, right? As you can probably guess... They're German. Um, Yeah, so anyway, in the 1800s, they started what is still today the largest Christian charitable care organization that focused on the care of mentally and physically disabled persons. Still today, it's called the Bethel Foundation, and they're all over Eastern uh, or Central Europe and 14 different locations in Germany. So um, while you may not have heard of them, I'm confident that you have heard of another German named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Uh, Amazing. There's so many hands and I feel very encouraged. Okay. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my literary mentors. I love his writing. Um, He really encourages me. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, grew up in the, in the 1900s, in the early 1900s. And most of his ministry time as a pastor um, was in the 1930s and 1940s. So during World War II and the rise of the Nazis, he was really active in his ministry. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a very close friend of Friedrich Jr. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer would often visit Bethel Foundation And I wanted to read um, an excerpt from a biography that was written by Eric Metaxas. Uh, It was written in 2009. And I would really encourage you, if you like reading biographies, check it out. It's by Eric Metaxas. 
Um, and there's an excerpt in here that just kind of describes Dietrich Bonhoeffer's experience visiting the Bethel Foundation. So if you'll allow me, I'll just read this for us quickly. It says, Bethel began in 1867 as a Christian community for people with epilepsy, but by 1900 it included several facilities that cared for 1,600 physically and mentally disabled persons. Friedrich Jr. took it over at his father's death in 1910, and by the 1930s it was a whole town with schools, churches, farms, factories, shops, housing for patients, nurses, and caregivers, and at the center there were numerous hospital and care facilities, including orphanages. Now listen closely. Bonhoeffer saw Bethel as the antithesis of the Nazi worldview that exalted power and strength. It was the gospel made visible, a fairy tale landscape of grace where the physically and mentally disabled were cared for in a palpably Christian atmosphere. The antithesis to the Nazi worldview. That's a strong statement. And I love that description, a fairy tale landscape of grace. So one of the things that Friedrich did as he cared for these people, he was, he was constantly trying to create the safe environment for them. And constantly in the lead up to, to the war, the Nazis would come to Bethel Foundation trying to take over the care of the mentally and physically disabled that were staying there. So as you can imagine, that was pretty stressful. They wanted to take over the care of these individuals because they wanted to perform something called mercy killings. Most of us, if not all of us, will know that millions of Jewish people were, were killed during this time. A lesser known fact is that hundreds of thousands of mentally and phys physically disabled people were also killed during this time as something called a mercy killing because they, these disabled people, did not fit the stereotype that they were looking for of strong, able-bodied. They weren't of the right ethnic group. Von Bodelschwing was constantly under threat of his life as the Nazis would come and threaten to take them, and he would not turn over their care. So he went from caring and loving these people to becoming their defender. And within months after World War II, von Bodelschwing Jr. passed away. Within months. And I can only imagine, due to sheer exhaustion, of his life constantly being threatened. So you might be wondering, why am I talking about these German people, the von Bodelschwings, other than trying to not slip up pronouncing their name correctly? I was so struck by this story because... Being a peacemaker doesn't mean your life will be peaceful. As I have already described, you can imagine 
that Friedrich's life was probably not full of happy, peaceful feelings. His life was probably not even marked by a lot of peace. Yet, God called him to become a peacemaker for people that couldn't do that for themselves. Are you with me? Jesus doesn't call us to do what is easy or what is good, but what is best. In my Bible classes that I get to do with my students, one of the amazing things that we notice as we go through the Gospels is Jesus will give you something that is very difficult to do as an instruction, as He's leading. He gives not just what is good or what might be okay, but He calls us to do what is best. Can I give you an example? If you turn to Matthew chapter 5, Starting in verse 38, read with me. It says, You have heard that it was said, Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. If someone strikes me in the face, is it easy to turn the other cheek and offer them the other? Is it easy? Is it really good for me? Arguably, probably not. It might be good for me to run away. It's probably good for me not to get slapped again. But what is best? What happens if you hit me in the face, and you're obviously something wrong with me that you're not happy with, and you strike me in the face, and I turn the other cheek. What will you do? You'd probably be pretty shocked. Jesus shows us what is best because in this situation here, this example, if I turn the other cheek to you, I'm showing you that I know you're upset with me. I know there's something wrong. There might be something wrong with me. There might be something wrong with you. But I'm willing to stay I'm willing to sit here with you to become a peacemaker so that you can be whole, that you can have peace. Because I care about you enough. That's what's best. Have you been in a situation like that? Where everything in you is saying, strike back. Everything in you is saying, run away. Everything in you is like, this person's crazy. I don't want anything to do with them. But you feel the Lord speaking to you that you need to do something different than what your flesh wants you to do, that you need to be there and you need to minister to the person. He's equipping you in that moment to become a peacemaker, not for yourself, but for them. Again, that situation is not marked by peace, 
but God is allowing you to become a peacemaker. For me, sometimes you can have peace in those situations, so I, stand, I can stand corrected here. We're working through this together, okay? When you experience the Lord's peace, when you shouldn't, have you been there? I have thought of this. It's almost like when you hit your funny bone on the corner of a table, and immediately in your brain you go, that's my funny bone. That, it's not funny, still not funny, um, but I know that feeling. It's an immediate, you recognize it, right? For me, when I'm in an experience or I'm in a situation where I am, am completely lacking peace, and I'm in a situation that's very difficult, maybe there's attack happening in your life, maybe God's calling you to step out into something that you're afraid of, but you experience His peace, it's like that funny bone for me. I know when Jesus is giving me His peace when I shouldn't have it. When everything of the world will tell me it's not possible, but I know it. Have you been there? It's an amazing feeling. It's something you can't describe, but people can't argue it. I can't argue it. It's, it's moments like that that bring us places like South Africa. It's moments like that that restore a family. It's moments like that that get you from fear to an anxious excitement about what God's going to do in your life. But I think that God calls us to even more than just experiencing that peace. He calls us to take that, that feeling that He gives us, that supernatural um, flowing of His Spirit in our life. He calls us beyond that because just like when we experience salvation, it's not just for us. I can be the most selfish person, I'm telling you. If I'm going to be honest, I can make almost anything about me. But if I was to sit in a corner when God saved me and stay there in that corner, I'm missing something. And it's the same with the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit, guys. When He gives us His peace and we know that feeling, He wants us to lead other people into that. He doesn't offer His gifts just to me. He doesn't offer His gifts just to Pastor Ed. It's for all of us. So, I kind of want to go back, because, I mean, I'm assuming all of you have read the fruit of the Spirit before. Raise your hand if you have not heard of the fruit of the Spirit before today. That would be awesome if you haven't. But we all have. So I want to go back to Galatians chapter 5. And I want to offer a consideration. Because a verse that my family has kept kind of as an anchor in our journey, especially over the last few years, is Galatians 5.1. Okay, so if you'll allow me to, I'm going to get a little bit creative as I read this. I'm going to jump from Galatians 5.1 straight to the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to read 5.1 and just follow with me. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
for me, I think there's something amazing in the literary layout of this chapter that if we cannot see the fruit of the Spirit as a gift of freedom, I think we might be missing something. God gives us His peace to bring freedom in our life. So we must see the fruit of the Spirit through the lens of freedom. So just as I was talking about earlier, God will give us His peace. But I think maybe, how many of you pray for peace from time to time? I probably find myself praying for patience the most, but peace is probably a close second. I especially pray for peace over my family all the time. The people that are close to me that I know are going through something difficult, I pray that God would just give His perfect peace. And if you've experienced His peace, you understand the freedom that it can bring to experience God's peace. And I think if we look at the fruit of the Spirit, I think it applies to all of them. But as we're talking about peace tonight, as you pray for peace for people, pray that God would bring freedom. For you personally, pray that God would bring freedom. I know without a doubt God has set me free from so many things. Are you there? Has He set you free? Are you, have you enjoyed the freedom? Have you experienced the freedom? We have to remind ourselves all the time because that freedom, we are wicked people. We can trick ourselves to believe that that freedom hasn't come. We can easily just go and continue to play in the things that we've done before, the things that God's already set us free from. And I have no idea how the enemy can trick us so many times, guys. It's sad. But I'm going to be honest with you, I get there sometimes. In that sense, you're not special. The enemy is constantly looking for ways. So when you experience freedom, tell someone so they can remind you when you act like you're not free. You ever, I mean, I have this picture often when I'm praying. It's like I once was shackled and God has done a work in me where he's broken those chains. Not only that, he's removed them from my hands. But I can trick myself and I can go play in my corner and I can walk around like I'm still shackled. And Jesus is just like, Kenny, I've done that work in you. Be reminded, guys, Jesus has set us free. We are free. So I have really no idea where we're at in time. So I'm going to work toward a close here. Um, But when I work with... At Living Hope, we have a devotion schedule. So just as you would do a devotion on your own, we have like 200 staff at Living Hope and many volunteers that are always around. And every morning, one of the blessings it is to be working at a Christian organization is that is always how we start our day. And so every month, our uh, chaplain goes around and tries to convince people to sign up for a day to do a devotion. 
And you can imagine, if I was to walk around the room right now and say, okay, I'm going to take everyone's sign up for uh, every Wednesday night. Everyone's going to come up and share an encouraging word. Some of you would be like, I'm just going to hide behind whatever. I'm going to run out the room. Some of you might, that might be natural for you. And praise God for that. But one of the things that I have such a joy in doing is I like to encourage people um, uh, to be bold and to try that. That there's a safe place where you can actually share. And one of the things I encourage people to do is to trust what God is speaking to them personally. Because when I know God has spoken something to me and I am so confident in that, I need to share that. If I know it's the Lord. So maybe this applies to you at your work or whatever it is. If you are confident that God has spoken something to you, speak up, share it. Don't worry about creating a five-point sermon. Don't worry about all that. That might come later. But share what God has put on your heart, and you can trust that He will lead you in that. So I want to share, this might not connect super well to the message this evening, but I want to share something with you that God has really spoken to me in the last seven or eight months, maybe a little bit longer, close to 10 months. And as I've been sharing this story as we've been in Colorado, I have been saying that one of my mentors shared this with me. But I have the joy tonight to tell you that it was Pastor Ed that shared this with me. Pastor Ed reaches out to me sometimes at the perfect moment when I need to hear from him. And it's not that I need to hear from him, but he speaks God's truth over me. And I have to tell you, last year was a really difficult year for me in ministry where I started to wonder if God still wanted to use me in Cape Town. I was experiencing a lot of different things and what I would, I would summarize as attack, where it really made me question how useful I was in the kingdom. And uh, Ed shared this, these four phrases with me that I want to share with you tonight because I trust that because it's so, I know it's the Lord in me that He's going to use it in your life. So it's these four phrases. It's keep abiding, stay put, do not run away, and refuse to quit. And I want to tell you, wherever you are right now, if you're in a position where it's tempting for you to run away, where it's tempting for you to quit. Maybe the enemy is sowing lies in your mind that are making their way down to your heart where you feel like you aren't making a difference anymore. The same way that that broke in my life where I experienced freedom from those things, I want to speak that over you this evening. God has freedom for you in that. And if you're in a place where you're wondering, keep abiding. Really listen to me. I'm trying, as much as I can say this to you one-on-one, -on -one, if I could grab every one of you by the shoulders, I would. Keep abiding. Abide in Him. Keep abiding. Stay abiding. Put, do not run away, 
Do not run away. Refuse to quit. And the thing that um, Pastor Ed told me a few weeks back, maybe even a little more than a month ago, is he just has this sense that God wants to do something new here at Calvary Church. That he's preparing you guys for something new. This word might be related to your commitment here at this church. I don't know. I don't know if it's about you at this church. I don't know if it's about you and your job. I don't know if it's about you and your family, whatever it is. But if it applies to you in this church, I want to tell you, if God is preparing something new, you can't be a part of it unless you are here. So if God has called you here, stay here. Be here. Stay put. Do not run away. Refuse to quit. Because I will tell you, an army of all of you doing something new together is powerful. And as much as we can be in Cape Town, we'll be a part of it with you. And I'm excited to see what that is. So, um, I don't know if this is an okay time to close. But if, if the team can come forward, I just wanted to just do some, like a ministry time, just as we close. Um, I am so privileged to be here with you tonight. And we are so privileged to call you family. And as we close... Before I pray, I want to just give an an invitation. You may be sitting where you are, and maybe some of what I've said resonates with you. Maybe you've experienced God's peace. Maybe that funny bone thing that I mentioned, that resonates in your heart. Maybe you feel like God is calling you to be a peacemaker. Or maybe you're like, I don't know what any of that is, Kenny. I've never experienced the peace of God. I'm in my own world right now, and it's falling apart, but I'm desperate for peace. I haven't experienced peace in who knows how long. And I don't want to go so fast forward to becoming a peacemaker that we're not giving you an opportunity to experience the peace of the Lord tonight. So if you're in that place, maybe, maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. Maybe you're listening on the radio or you're watching online. You're here tonight and you're like, I just came in the door and I would like to know who this Jesus is. And I want to tell you, there is opportunity here tonight to meet Jesus. So I want to offer three things. As we close, if you feel like, number one, I don't know who Jesus is and I want to meet this Jesus, I want to invite you to come forward. If you're here tonight and you want to experience His peace, come forward. If you're here tonight and you want to take that step and you want to experience that gift of becoming a peacemaker, you know there's a situation in your life where you know God wants to use you and you're like dragging your feet and I, but you're feeling the call tonight, come forward. There's a team of people that are ready to pray for you. And then I'll give you a fourth option because I always like an extra option. Uh, If there's A, B, C, I'm always like, can I make up a D? Because I don't like these answers. Um, 
if you're not comfortable coming forward, stay right where you are. There's nothing magical about someone praying for you tonight. Jesus can meet you right where you're at. And that's evidenced by who knows how many thousands of people have been ministered to and come to Jesus online or on the radio, right? So there's four options. But if you want to come forward, my wife and I, the team, we will be here ready to pray for you tonight. So can I close for us in prayer and then you come forward when I'm done, okay? Lord, we come to you this evening and we thank you for the amazing work you're doing in us, through us, around us, Lord. And we know that your gifts are not just for us. You give us your gifts as a community of believers, as a community of people that are uh, ready to work for you. And Lord, I pray that as we've talked about different things tonight, Lord, I pray that your perfect peace would just fall on this space. Lord, I I just had this uh, visual of just a, a path to the cross. And it's like in the grass, the, the grass has been worn out. And you are so okay with us continuing to go back to the foot of your cross, Lord. And I pray that anyone that needs to meet with you tonight, Lord, you would make it happen in however you see fit. Lord, that you would renew us, that you'd redeem us, that you'd restore us. And Lord, wherever we are, Lord, if, we, if anyone is, is listening, Lord, that doesn't know you, Lord, would you just open their eyes to see you. If that's you, would you just ask him to come into your life? Would you ask him to come into those places that are broken, that are in need of your Savior? Jesus died for you. Jesus, you offer these things to us freely, and Lord, you want nothing more than relationship with us. So if anyone is in that position Lord, I pray that you would just overwhelm them with your love and your goodness and your peace now. Lord, I pray for any situation in our lives where the thing that's missing is that peacemaker. Lord, you call us to step into those situations boldly, not because we have special gifts or abilities, but Lord, that you will equip us. So Lord, we pray for your equipping and courage to step into those situations that are lacking peace and that you would allow us to be peacemakers. Lord, would you show us how you work? Would you allow us to trust you in a different way? Would you give us just the ability to rely on you because you are faithful? Lord, we cry out for your freedom. Your perfect freedom. Lord, we love you. We give you this evening. And Lord, we just ask you to continue to move amongst us. Allow us to to sense your spirit and engage you tonight. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.